The animal protein markets are relatively strong at the moment, given robust consumer demand for meat, milk, and eggs, both in the domestic and the export markets. The question then becomes how long that demand might hold if inflationary pressures dampen spending at some point in the coming year, or how additional COVID-related challenges, such as a surge in variant-fueled infections, might throw a wrench in the system. Welcome to Feedstuffs in Focus, our podcast taking a deeper look at big issues in the livestock, poultry, grain, and feed industries. I'm your host, Andy Vance. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, we talk with Brian Ernest, a protein analyst for, with CoBank, the national cooperative financial institution focused on rural America and part of the farm credit system. Ernest describes the current macroeconomic situation around the globe, including offering his insights into inflation and what his level of concern is about the prospect of rising prices in the year ahead. We'll also discuss the prospects for continued consumer demand and what a resurgence of COVID might do to the U.S. meat industry. Brian, you and I have had a chance to converse at different times over the years about the protein markets, and boy, it's a pretty interesting protein market coming out of what we've all been through as a society over the past 18 months. Uh, would I be right in saying that the protein markets are, are extremely strong right now? Oh, it, uh, absolutely. Uh, it seems like, um, you know, all around, uh, we've got the, uh, the confluence of, uh, you know, all, all uh, tides rising, all boats in the harbor, it seems like at this point. And uh, beef seems to be a benefactor of that. Uh, you know, we're, we're seeing pretty strong demand going on right now. And, um, you know, there's, there's no shortage of challenges from a production standpoint. And it seems to continue to be fueling things as we're working our way through the uh, summer grilling period. So, I want to start because you and I are going to kind of take a methodical look through uh, we'll, we'll supply side, demand side, some of the fundamentals. But I want to let's let's do a macroeconomic picture. I mean, I've been following inflation. Uh, I think we had a report out today from the Fed. We're looking at maybe five and a half percent inflation over the past month. Uh, what are the macro factors as it relates specifically to the beef market that you're following? most closely. Is inflation a big part of that story? I think it will be as we, we get out further into the year. Um, you know, at, at, uh, when, when we look, uh, purely speaking from a demand standpoint, uh, consumers taking on a higher price um, and they're still continuing to, to uh, move product. So, um, you know, when we, when we look at inflation, uh, that has the potential to cause a disruption here. Um, you know, as, as we look out further into 2021 or into 2022, um, but for the most part, the industry's overcome uh, any bit of that so far. Um, from a producer standpoint, obviously, we've got higher grain prices. Uh, you know, that's worked into the, the supply stream, um, you know, and, and they're taking that on in the feed yards. Um, you know, we've, we've got, from a macro standpoint, some drought issues. Uh, that have, have caused a disruption for uh, for the beef side as well and the cattle side. And, um, you know, so a, a whole confluence of things outside of, you know, what is typical or the norm. Um, and that adds on to the, the challenges that the protein industry's had in the last three, four years. So, um, you know, certainly difficulty uh, from a macro standpoint of, of overcoming some of the challenges exogenous from, uh, you know, what the market typically faces. And, and I set that question up pretty poorly, I realize, because we talk about inflation like it's this, you know, mysterious force that is acting on. But it's really when we talk about inflation, we're talking about the, the effect. It's just price increases. It's inflation isn't a thing. It's what we're seeing, uh, these these other factors that are happening. So when we think about 
prices going up, consumers at retail paying more for beef. They don't seem to have flinched yet. Is there a point where you think, you know, if we see five plus percent inflation for this period of time where you as an analyst might say that's cause for concern? It doesn't seem like we're there yet, but is there a point where you think, hey, consumer appetite for beef uh, might not overcome price consciousness? Yeah, I, I think they're, uh, you know, you're, you're spot on there uh, in terms of where we're at in discovery of how much more uh, the consumer would be willing to take. Um, and it is a, it is a, you know, inflation something that doesn't just all of a sudden hit the industry or, you know, it, it kind of rolls on with time. And um, we, you know, monitoring the, the markets, um, you know, it worked its way through at least the production stream, um, you know, over the last 12 months. It's hit the the consumer pocketbook somewhat in some areas, um, but the COVID, uh, you know, lockdowns really kind of caused a disruption over the last year in terms of which side of the factor or which side of the consumer channel, um, you know, really gets more of that price hit. Um, we've got folks that are going back to conferences again, you know, they're doing traveling again. So um, this is a, an area of the industry that's trying to attract that consumer. Retail obviously gained the consumer uh, in 2020. Um, and they're trying to retain that. So a little bit of that price support, um, you know, they're, they're staving off some of the, the retail, um, you know, prices. And beef is one of those items that uh, consumers are attracted to. You know, uh, they, they, have, they have learned how to cook it in the pandemic. Um, they've, they've learned how to enjoy it. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if you don't have your fine dining establishment serving that up, you're going to learn to do it on your own. And um, so they've, they've the, the consumers likely recognize prices in a little bit more different fashion over the last year than, than they were prior to that. Typically, you know, you're, you're getting a nice steak at a fine dining restaurant or something like that. If you're cooking it on your own, you're starting to be a little bit more price conscious of, of what you're seeing there. So, How concerned are you about, we'll just say the economy in general, as we've talked about, seen pretty strong jobs reports uh, recently. It seems like consumers have money to spend despite some of the continued headwinds in terms of unemployment, reopening the economy, different sectors. I guess it depends on what sector of the economy you're in. If you're in a service, if you're working in food service, as an example, you may have a totally different feeling about this than if you work in logistics for Amazon, say, as an example. But, but are, are you seeing a strong domestic economy and, and what are concerns you might have if you were a beef cattle producer about the U.S. economy in the one, three, five-year range? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. And certainly we're continuing to look for signposts, right? There's There's been a lot of those uh, things that just pop up over the last five years that uh, we have to continue to, to monitor the situation. In terms of, you know, the, the economy, it seems to be doing fairly well. Um, you know, whether this inflation is a little bit too much, um, I, I think the, the Fed, you know, kind of seems to have that that mindset that it's it's not necessarily something concerning at this point. Um, so, uh, it, you know, the jobs report continues to be a little bit better. And, um, you know, the, the difficulty is, I, I know we, you know, we talk about this throughout the industry, labor situation, right? Um, not having enough people willing to work. And that's not necessarily reported in the unemployment rate, but, or properly represented, um, you know, and so that's a concern, obviously, and it may not catch up to us for another 12 months. Um, but something to continue to monitor. Right now, things seem to be doing very well. In terms of moving meat, you look at the cold storage inventory reports, and we've got stocks that are very low levels. 
across the board. Um, and that's maybe more of a concern that when we get out into the tail end of the year, we don't have enough meat, right? Um, you know, and, and there's things that uh, are being talked about in the industry to ensure that we have a, you know, a, a fulfilled supply source for food. Um, you know, there's there's been a couple disruptions over the last three years or, you know, last year um, that, that have certainly influenced people taking another look at making sure we have continuity in meat. Um, so, uh, you know, that, that kind of gets around it. But, um, you know, certainly there's uh, these sort of disruptions make you open your eyes a little bit to what does the economy look like in the next year and, and uh, keeping an eye on that. We've been talking primarily about beef since we're at a cattle industry convention, but I know you follow the, the broader protein sector. Are there are there any differences or, or things that you're watching in pork or poultry that, that, that would be significantly different from what we're seeing in the beef industry earlier? And you said, you know, the rising tide raises all, all boats or is the broader animal-derived protein sector seeing more or less the same trends and issues, or, or would you say, hey, man, there's something really wild happening over here in broilers or, or pork that the cattle producer or, or feeder or feed company watching this might need to be aware of? Yeah, and there, you know, there's there's some kind of, you know, some differences a little bit. Um, when we look at the balance sheet, the exports, uh, you know, exports have been very strong for uh, protein industry overall. Um, Asia continues to be a, a, a growing source of disappearance for uh, U.S. meats. And, um, you know, certainly we want to look at the longevity of how, how you know, how developed is that as a, a source um, of disappearance. Um, and, you know, the, the poultry industry, um, you know, they, they've taken an approach of, you uh, uh, doing some fantastic marketing um, in terms of the products. Uh, we had the chicken sandwich wars that kind of came up back out of nowhere again here this year. And, um, uh, you know, that really helped to, to move some some chicken through the system. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, on the pork side, exports is the one that, that we continue to look at. Um, there's I, I think there's there's some more challenges out front. Uh, uh, amongst the different proteins, um, certainly when you look at uh, California's Prop 12 um, coming into play in 2022, it has the you know the, the end result of disrupting the the pork industry a bit in terms of supply. There, um, you know that that that'll they'll have some impact there. Um, the chicken industry they were on a pretty strong expansion phase here over the last four years, and COVID kind of slowed that down a little bit. Um, you know, all of them, uh, all of the industry continue to point to labor as, as an issue um, and kind of keeps the competing meats from expanding. The cattle industry um, looks like it's on the, the downside of the cattle cycle. So we should probably expect that we're going to see fewer cattle uh, out ahead of us. Um, and, and I guess one of the things I'm kind of questioning is, so what, what steps in in its place? Um, pork is probably not going to expand, you know, we're, we're probably going to see a similar situation there. So without as much red meat, as chickens step in or potentially one of these alternative proteins to sit on the plate a little bit more. So um, it's going to be interesting in the next three, four years to monitor, uh, you know, what the consumer is wanting to put on the plate um, and, and how that, that has some additional influence through the, the production streams. So. One of the things I think about, since you mentioned the alternative protein sector, and, and I've heard this a few different times this week, as you know, the data, purchasing data, we could be talking about kind of qualitative consumer research type data. Consumers like eating beef. It tastes good, right? It's, you know, something that we associate maybe with celebrations or good times or fun with friends and family and whatnot. 
how concerned would you be today if you were a producer of beef about those alternative proteins in the context that you just set up there about okay what what is the consumer choosing to put on the plate is it is it something i need to just continue to be aware of or is this something that should be keeping me up at night i, I think our default setting is oh god this keeps me up at night but but my question is should it yeah and I, I think you know monitoring over the last three years that is more of a you know let's let's be conscious of what's going on in the space right and what consumers are asking for uh, and make sure if we can address that in in a you know from a competing protein standpoint that uh, the industry is properly doing that so um you know in, in in terms of how much space that will occupy going forward i agree the data is kind of mixed right now on on sales of you know how well um you know some of the um you know the alternative proteins have done in the pandemic uh, and and how much more growth is potentially either at retail or food service um, you know, that's another thing I point to the chicken sandwich war and, and there was introductions of the, the plant-based proteins at burger outlets here over the last three years. With, you know, uh, everybody was kind of monitoring that, of, you know, how well, how successful is this going to be? Um, I, I think, you know, beef has an opportunity here probably at the QSR segment after there's some fatigue potentially in, in, from those chicken sandwiches. I know they're still rolling out, you know, new and exciting chicken sandwiches, but uh, it may be time to switch back to burgers and, and look at that as, as a potential for, uh, you know, back to school promotion or something like that. So it's still being conscious of, you know, where, where does it fall into play? Um, we know consumer behavior changed rather significantly in, in uh, 2020, whether it reverts back to pre-COVID level or, you know, pre-COVID behavior. It's a little bit yet to be seen, you know. Um, thinking about back to school, kids are, you know, getting ready. Moms and dads are trying to figure out what goes on the plate. Um, and how often they're going to have to stop through the drive-through or, or, you know, if they're going to need frozen pizzas in the freezer. I think most people are used to having more food in the refrigerator. Um, and, you know, that, that kind of led into some of the stronger demand that we saw uh, late springtime, early summer when the dining restrictions eased. Uh, people were still putting, you know, enough eggs in the refrigerator to last them a little bit longer in case they had to do it. And uh, but they started going out again. They started going to dining establishments or at least, you know, doing more takeout. So um, we're probably looking at another shift in consumer behavior here in the next six months of, um, you know, what what happens when kids start going back to school? People start going back to work again or, you know, back into the office. So, um, you know, so that's that's something we need to monitor as well. You know, what what are they putting in the basket? But um, what where are they visiting to get their food too? So. Our thanks to Brian Ernest from CoBank for joining us to offer his insights in the current outlook for animal proteins at home and abroad. I talked with Brian during the Cattle Industry Annual Convention and NCBA trade show in Nashville, Tennessee. Also had a very interesting conversation with Oklahoma State University Professor Daryl Peel, one of the leading experts in what's happening in the live cattle markets. We talked quite a bit about drought, as well as some of the issues that I discussed with Brian Ernest. The two pieces are a really great companion set if you want to know what's happening in the protein markets and what lies ahead. If you want to watch my interview with Dr. Peel, visit us at Feedstuffs 365, which of course is part of your Feedstuffs subscription. You can access Feedstuffs 365 via Feedstuffs.com. For the latest economic news facing the food animal and animal feed production industries and how those trends and issues affect your business, subscribe to the Feedstuffs Daily e-newsletter. I'm Andy Vance and you've been listening to Feedstuffs In Focus. Thanks for joining us today.
If you want to hear more conversations about some of the big issues affecting the livestock, poultry, grain, and feed industries, subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platforms, including Apple and Google Podcasts. Or visit our website, Feedstuffs.com, for future episodes and to check out Feedstuffs 365. Until next time, have a great day, and thanks for listening.